I want to talk to you about how to conquer impossibilities. The truth is all of us at different times in our lives face problems and challenges. Look, I mean, they're huge. And you look up at them and you're here and they're there and, and, and you're thinking, man, how do I, do I go around it? Do I go over it? I want to submit to you that as we have eyes to see from God's perspective, you may see that the problem is really not the problem. There is a real devil that hates us. The Bible is clear. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Uh, my prayer for you during this series is that we'd have eyes to see. That we'd have eyes to see what is really happening in the spiritual realm around us. Unfortunately, there is a condition in which many people find themselves. They feel, find themselves beat up. Beat up by circumstances. Beat up by life financially. In a marriage with kids or something that's happened in their body. And they feel beat up just like that boxer in the ring. Sometimes we just go out and we're like, if we could just make it another round without being knocked out. You ever been there before? If I could just make it one more round. If I could just make it one more round. Many of you have been facing impossibilities. Maybe some of you heard about Church of the King. They're doing a series on how to conquer impossibilities. And maybe you've come and maybe it's almost like this is your last hope. Maybe in your relationship, maybe in a marriage, maybe in something in your life that you've not shared with somebody else. And you've come to this series. I've got good news for you. There's hope in God. There is hope in Christ to be able to help you whatever the situation that you're facing. And I'm so grateful. I'm asking you to stay with this over these next five or six weeks because we're going to be unpacking from the Bible how People in the Bible dealt with impossible situations. I was thinking as I was putting this message together, how what happens to us mentally when we deal with impossible situations. I, I, I want to just go on record. I, I want every campus, everybody joining us online, I want to say this. It is very clear from the Bible that Jesus Christ gives us a victorious life. You've you got to understand that right off the bat. So we're going to work from that posture. The fact of the matter is if you are bound by bad habits or addiction in the gospel, there's hope. The truth is if you're facing days of dark depression in the gospel, there is hope. If you're battling an incurable disease, there is hope. If you've been locked up by fear and anxiety, there is hope. I had a conversation with a guy recently. He talked about the fact that his whole life he feels like he's been bound up by fear, by insecurity, by anxiety. And it was almost like he said, Pastor, you know, I get to these points in my life where I feel like I'm just on the point of breakthrough and I feel like I go back. Let me just say this over and over again. If you're bound by fear and anxiety, there's hope in the gospel. Whether there's an addiction, whether there's a, a disease that may even the doctors say, and we respect doctors, but sometimes they'll say it's incurable. How I many you know God can cure anything that's incurable? With God, all things are possible. I'm reminded of Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it's impossible. By the way, that's where some of you are right now. You, you've tried it, and I, I'm going to try to fix this. I'm going to try to help this. I'm going to try to heal this. But Jesus is clear with men. There's situations in all of our lives with human strength, it's impossible. But with God, but with God, all things 
are possible. You know, I, I remember when I was years ago as a young Christian that there's so many conversations even in our culture today who Jesus is and, and what, is, what is the ministry of Jesus and, 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 you know, who is he in his character. And what's so interesting is people, sometimes Christians, but definitely people that do not know Christ, it's almost like the price tags are switched. It's almost like, well, you know, God's up there trying to hurt people. He's trying to harm people. The problem is when I open the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the picture of Christ who was God incarnate, can I tell you something? He was healing people. He was delivering people. He, let me, he never met anybody with demons and said, just carry those demons a little while. That's a cross for you to bear. No, as a matter of fact, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And the reason why I say this is you've got to have faith in your heart. Whatever the challenge you're facing is, you've got to have a faith as, a, as an under, let me say this, as a foundation, you've got to believe God wants you well. God wants you better. God wants you delivered. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Here it is. The Bible's clear. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went around doing what? Everybody say it. Good. He went around doing good. It's amazing when you hear people's opinions about God. Wow, you know, this is what God's like. Wait, wait, time out. When I open the Bible, God in the flesh went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. I had a conversation with a guy one time about oppression. What's the difference between depression, oppression, suppression? I said, he goes, I just feel overwhelmed. Whatever you want to call it, can I tell you something? Jesus has come, watch this, to break that off of your life. Well, you don't have to live that way. Pastor, is that real? I mean, like, can you really live the victorious Christian life? Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't go through trials. I'm not saying that we don't deal with things. I am saying we can be victorious in whatever it is that we're facing. That is our inheritance as children of God. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment. Boom, power hit her. Think about how Jesus calmed the disciples' fear when they were in the boat. Think about how he healed and set free that demon-possessed man, the gathering demoniac. So it's delivering people of demons, healing sick bodies, supernaturally providing. Maybe you're in a situation in your business. And you feel like, man, I just feel overwhelmed. It doesn't matter what I do. With man, it's impossible, but not with God. Jesus provides. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers. I know what some people think sometimes. Well, you're the pastor. And because you're the pastor, you know, you're supposed to say this. No, I, I, I have my own challenges. I deal with my own things. Matter of fact, I've shared this story before, but when I came to Christ, October 27, 1987, it's amazing. I, I cannot remember as a kid being fearful. I, I really can't remember. I mean, the only thing that I didn't like as a kid, two things, was that wicked little scene in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Remember they tried to put them in like a cage? That kind of freaked me out, just to be honest. I didn't like that one part of that movie. The second thing was I wasn't hip on Dracula movies. But apart from that, I really can't remember as a kid ever feeling fear. Listen to me, what I'm about to say. This is getting ready to help some people. I was a Christian for three months, and all of a sudden, one night, I went to bed, and this literally, like this, this I want to call it deathly, like a deathly fear came into my room. To the point... And so I got to tell you what I did, right? Because I'm a man of faith and power. I turned on the lights. Come on, can I have a witness? And God, I, I was like, I'm like, I'm scared. I'm turning the lights on. 
It was so demonic. There was a spirit. By the way, fear is both a negative mindset, but it's also a demonic spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. There was a, a demonic spirit of fear that literally came into my room. Can I tell you something? When I would have these weird thoughts of there's somebody under my bed. Somebody's going to come out and kill me. I had thoughts that if I go to sleep, now I'm a Christian. I'm not in the French Quarter party. No, I'm like serving Jesus. I love God. I'm in a small group. And I'm telling you, I couldn't go to sleep at night without worship music. By the way, if you're ever dealing with fear, put worship music on in your room. That's somewhere in the Bible, by the way. David played a harp and evil spirits left Saul. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, gosh, it got so bad. It went from day and then week and then month after month. This literally went on for nine months. Pastor Doug Harmon, who was my Bible study leader at the time, here's what he told me. He says, you need to get some scriptures and you need to write these scriptures down. Listen to this. He says, you need to write down scriptures of overcoming fear. And and when that spirit comes to you at nighttime, I'm talking to somebody right now because you're dealing with almost the exact same thing. As, as he said, roll out of bed and get those scriptures and you just start walking back and forth and back and confess those scriptures and declare the word of God over your life and fight back. You don't just receive fear. You fight back in the spirit with weapons of God's warfare, not human weapons. After about nine months, I remember. I remember one day I was about to go to bed and all of a sudden I felt free. I was like, it's not there. I was a Christian going to heaven and I was tormented by a spirit of fear. I I got good news for you. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no demon spirit that is too strong that the power of the blood of Christ and the name of Jesus can't drive out. How many are grateful for the name of Jesus? Come on. I want to talk to you today about a practical what I would call a pattern in scripture of how to defeat impossibilities. How do we conquer those things that are so overwhelming in our lives? I want to use the story of Joshua. Joshua moving into the promised land, leading the children of Israel. Some theologians would say 300,000. Some would say a million people. The bottom line is it was a lot. And they came up to the Jordan River, they crossed the Jordan River, and they came into what's called the promised land. Genesis chapter 12, God promised the nation of Israel a piece of land. And it became a picture for us as believers of what's called the promised land. Pastor, what is the promised land? The promised land in the Old Testament is a picture to us today of the promises of our inheritance as children of God. It's what we get when we give our hearts to Christ, salvation and healing and deliverance. So it's a picture. And it was a real historical place and there was real historical battles, but it encourages us today because there's, there's principles and there's patterns of warfare. I want to read to you Joshua chapter 5. They have come up to this first city. It's a massive city. It's the, the city of Jericho. Many of you learned about it in maybe Sunday school or as kids or your parents taught you about the battle of Jericho. But the reason why it's important, it's the first major city that they came up to. And it, and it was so big and so overwhelming. The question is, how did God tell the children of Israel to defeat the, 
the battle of Jericho, to win the battle of Jericho. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Watch this. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And, and Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, everyone say see, see, that's going to be a big important word in a moment. See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city, watch this, once. And this you, you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But on the seventh day, on the seventh day, it's a number of completion, the seventh day, on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, seven priests, seven times, the seventh day. And the priest shall blow the trumpet. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with a man's horn, and when they hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. The people shall go up, every man straight before him. And so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened. When the people heard and the sound of the trumpet went forth, the people shouted with a great shout. Man, that would have been awesome to see, wouldn't it? And they shouted with this great shout. Then the wall fell down flat. And then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. This story is at a critical point in the journey of the children of Israel as they're entering into the promised land. The children of Israel had crossed the Jordan. They'd entered the land, and the city of Jericho is actually the first enemy. By the way, which I believe is a t it's like a, a prototype, how you take the first city. It is a picture of how you take the next city. It's a picture of how you take the next. Let me tell you something. When you conquer the first big giant in your life as a Christian, it puts faith in you, and God will teach you how to conquer the next one. There's a, there's a power. There's, a, there's the power in the first in the Bible. Put the first part of our day, put the first day of the week, put the first time of the year, put the first to God and put the, can I say this? God gives us the principles of warfare when they took the first city, the first city. I think it's important to know that one of the themes that run throughout scripture is right before, right before, right as, let me say it that way, as you're entering into the promised land, what is that for you? Your destiny. The plan of God that God has for your life, your inheritance as a child of God. Right, right as you enter in, there's always this greatest conflict right at the point of breakthrough. It's a biblical pattern. The enemy will come to challenge. The enemy will come to mock. The enemy will come to put his bony finger right in your face. You'll always be like that. You'll always be bad. You'll always have those addictions. Your marriage will always be there. Your kid will always be there. You'll always struggle. You'll all, and he wants to name you so that he can shame you. But I'm going to tell you this as your pastor, right before you come to that point of breakthrough, right as you come up and you begin, can I tell you something? 
The greatest assault of the enemy is always right before he knows he's about to lose in your life. God speaks to Joshua and the children of Israel and gives them, he gives them a pattern, a pattern of how to take this. As a matter of fact, it's pretty interesting. As I was putting this message together, archaeologists a few years ago uh, discovered through digging in Israel, they found Jericho. They literally found the city of Jericho. They uncovered the walls. These walls were actually two sets of walls. For those of you that have been to Israel, you've, you've studied this. There's actually two sets of walls. And each wall was about 10 feet thick. It was a space between these two walls to about 20 feet. So you had this 10-foot wall, a space. that, In other words, they were building to be impenetrable. <laughs> it was also clearly found that the city was destroyed. Watch this. Suddenly. The walls actually fell outward flat. Pastor Steve, so when I pray and I believe God and there's a challenge in my life, does it happen suddenly? You position yourself. The suddenly happens at one moment, but there's a lot of steps prior to that to position yourself for that breakthrough. I want to go back to Joshua just for a moment. There he was looking at this problem, the walls of Jericho. He couldn't figure out, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to get through this? Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes. This is important. That he lifted up his eyes. And he saw something there. It came to pass that Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, watch this, and worshiped. And he worshiped and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? I want to talk to you about three principles. Three principles of how to experience, watch this, this breakthrough. When you're facing a challenge that's bigger than you, number one, number one, we can't ever get around this. It is so principled and germane to understanding the Bible and your walk with God. Number one is worship. It's worship. I don't think it's a coincidence that right as they were going into this challenge, how many times you're facing a challenge? Can I tell you what the enemy's strategy is? It's to get you actually to face the problem and take your eyes off of Jesus. And he said, I want to I I adjust your perspective here, Joshua. It's interesting. Theologians would call this what's called a theophany. This man that appeared to him in the Old Testament. A theophany is a pre-incarnate kind of manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. You can look that up later, a theophany. It's a, it's, many theologians believe this was Christ himself. And, and what was the point? Why, why, was, why was God himself, why, why was he showing up to Joshua? Because all of us, all of us, when we go through struggles, we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we have challenges. Can I tell you something? It's so subtle. It happens, watch this, it happens a little bit by little bit that we begin to take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes on, we put our eyes on ourselves. We put our eyes on the problems. By the way, we put our eyes on the walls, the magnitude of the impenetrable nature of the obstacle right before us. And God showed up and he was telling Joshua, if you're gonna defeat this thing, and I wanna say this to anybody that's listened to me at any one of our locations, if you're gonna defeat that thing before you, you must learn to worship. Where you make a conscious decision 
to take your eyes off of your problem. We don't deny our problems, but we do choose to not focus on our problem. The more you focus on the problem, the more it drains energy out of it. The more you focus on the challenge, the more it siphons out of you the strength to actually walk through that. Joshua was so clear in this, is his encounter with this commander, the commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped. He says, what does my Lord say? Again, he lifted his eyes. He lifted his eyes. He lifted his eyes. When you have challenges, our challenge is always to look at the problem, to look at the walls, to look at the marriage, to look at the health issue, to look at the depression, to look at the financial problem, to look at the conflict. But he said, look up. And lifting his eyes, Joshua began, he began to gain a proper perspective. I can think back in my life, the different challenges that I've faced and how often where, man, I'm walking with Jesus, boom, I get hit with the challenge and, and watch this, it's subtle, don't miss this. The next thing you know, your eyes go from this to, to this. Watch this, this. Yeah. Colossians chapter three, verse one, if you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. In other words, keep your focus on Jesus. I want to speak to those of you that are in challenges right now. The enemy wants you to distract you and take your eyes off of Jesus and put them on your problems, put them on your challenges. He was trying to help him with perspective. He was trying to help him gain a better perspective. Again, I want to go on record. We don't deny our problem, but we deny that problem having, watch this, having the ability to capture our attention. The devil will try to do anything he can to draw your attention over and over and over. You and I must make a conscious choice, a conscious choice to worship. Look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. See, I've given Jericho into your hand. I think see is an important word. Let me tell you why. I think it's an important word because what was he doing there? And I want to help those of you right now that are in a challenge right now as we start off this series. You know what he was saying? See, look up. I want to help you adjust your perspective. How many times in our lives do we get overwhelmed in our lives emotionally because our perspective is off? Our lens is off. Here's what he said. See. In other words, I want you to see something differently. The enemy wants us to see the impossible nature of the situation. God wants to adjust it and say, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. In other words, watch this. He says, see, adjust your perspective. I've actually given Jericho in your hand. Wait a minute. Time out. This totally blew his mind away. Wait, time out, time out. Now remember, what does worship do? Worship clears up your perspective. It takes your eyes off of your problem and puts it on Jesus. Now watch this. And then he says, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. Why is that important? He wanted him to see that the thing that he was actually believing for was already his if he would just open his eyes. The inheritance in the kingdom of God is always right on the other side of that challenge. Yeah. You got to see it. You got to see your kids serving God. You got to see your marriage where God wants it to be. You got to see your body healthy and whole and strong. You got to see your business. You gotta, in other words, you got to see it from God's perspective. How often we see life from our perspective. That brings hopelessness, by the way. But all things are possible. What am I doing, Pastor? What, what are you doing, Pastor? I'm just trying to put faith in your heart. I'm just preaching the word to put faith in your heart. See, I've given it to you. In other words, in other words, the Christian life, watch this, the Christian life ultimately is us possessing what's already ours. It's not trying to extract. 
but it's walking into the promised land that was already given to us. Everybody say worship. Number two. The second thing is if we want to experience a breakthrough in our lives, if we want to overcome that impossible situation that's got its bony finger out on the side of our bed taunting us, number one, we've got to worship, and number two, we've got to learn to walk spiritually. The second thing you must realize when facing an impossible situation is that discipline and obedience are vital to the battle. I know most people don't like talking about that word in church. Maybe it's a bad word. They, oh, discipline, you know. What about God's grace? What about God's love? Of course, but there is a cooperation. In other words, there's the God part, but there is the our part. I began to think about this, about what God told them. Number one, he was adjusting their perspective. That's what God's doing to us, taking our eyes off of our problem onto him. But then there's an instruction. There's an instruction. There's a Look at this, Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. You shall march around the city, all of you men of war. You shall go all around the city once, and this you shall do six days. Six, by the way, in the Bible is a number of man's responsibility. Seven is a number of completion, or some would say God. But six, but watch this, this is important. He told him to do something. He told the children of Israel, watch this, they've got to cooperate with God. How many times we're believing for a miracle? But, but, but what I've found in my life, if we're believing for a miracle, God is then going to, watch this, he's then going to share with us how we need to participate. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. I want you to march. Watch this. Y'all stay with me. I want you to march. You're marching. What am I doing? Number one, I'm def- I, I got to deal with an enemy that's bigger than me. A challenge. Number one, worship. Everybody say worship. Worship. I'm taking my eyes off of the problem. I'm putting it on God. Number two, I've got to walk. What do I mean walk? I got to follow. I got to follow a certain spiritual cadence. Last week I was in San Antonio. It was pretty cool. I uh, was in the airport and and I don't, I've never seen this before, but when I was walking to get my bags at the, air, at the baggage claim, there was a bunch of Navy soldiers. It was really interesting. And they had a commander in front of them, and they were, he was leading them in the airport, and there was a certain level of cadence that they had in the airport. And I thought, it was almost like they were, they were walking, and I was thinking, I was like, man, that, that was, by the way, by the way, in any military parade or any military, any level of watching the military, even with the policemen and women and the, and the people's public service, there's something powerful about watching people who are walking in cadence. There's almost a certain awe about it. It's like, that's pretty cool. I want to say to you as Christians, there's a certain power and awe, spiritually speaking, when you are walking in spiritual cadence with other brothers and sisters. Walk. All right, I'm walking. I don't fully understand it, but I'm walking. I wonder if God was saying that to them because he was seeing just if they were going to do it. He could have given the city at once. I wonder if God told them to do that Because God was wanting to demonstrate to the enemy what's about to happen. I don't know. 
Or maybe, maybe God was telling them to do that because God was telling them that preparation is key to victory. Yeah. I, I want to encourage each one of you, if you're dealing with a challenge bigger than yourself, number one is worship. Number two is you got to show up and walk. You got to show up in church. You got to show up in your small group. You got to show up in your Bible. You got to show up in prayer. In other words, there's a certain cadence. There, there, there's a showing up. Half of the battle you've heard this is you got to show up. You got to show up. I, I talked to a guy recently. Was he's so he's so happy? He's pastor. He'd been dealing with addiction for a long, long time. He said, Pastor, I'm a year clean, and I'm so excited about that. And you know what he said to me? He says, it's because I'm just, I'm going to my groups. I, I'm, I'm accountable to people. I'm pursuing God. In other words, there's something about walking. There's something about showing up. There, there's something about, there's something about just showing. What am I doing? I'm positioning myself. If you want to experience breakthrough in your life, number one, you, you, you got to learn to worship. <laughs> you got to learn to take your eyes off of that problem. I'm not denying it, but I'm denying the right of that problem to control my life. And number two, you got to walk. Spiritually speaking, you and I have to walk. We've got to take the necessary steps every day showing up. We got to keep marching. I want to say those of you that are dealing with an addiction, keep marching around that addiction. Those of you that are dealing with a child, it's not where they need to be. Keep marching in faith around that child. Uh, some of you that are dealing with an emotional malady or condition or fighting anxiety or depression, keep marching. Keep showing up. Well, pastor, I'm in fear. I don't want to go to church. No, 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 no. Bring your fear to church. <laughs> in other words, bring, no, no, because fear, fear says stay home. No, you need to make a decision. I'm going to walk. I'm actually going to bring my fear to church. I'm going to bring my fear to church. In other words, I'm not, I'm not going to let anything keep me away. I'm going to keep walking, and I'm just going to show up. Everybody say, show up. Number one, it's worship. Number two, you got to walk. Put one foot in front of the other. Y'all remember that? And soon, I'm sorry, I can't sing. But all right, here we go. Number three, and we'll conclude with this. If you want to experience in your life, if you want to experience in your life, by the way, I, I just was reminded of one of the, I just thought of this, one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard about showing up and being faithful and believing God for a breakthrough is actually a friend of mine. This is the craziest story. His wife had a car wreck, and because of that, they incurred $300,000 of debt. $300,000. $300,000. They had insurance, but they were 21 days into it. It was effective nine days after the wreck. So the insurance didn't apply. They had got new insurance. All this huge debt. And I remember him telling me the story one time, talking about walking and just showing up and showing up. They were paying. They were doing it. They finally explained to the hospital. said, here's our situation. The hospital said, this is, he said, we don't know why we're doing this. They eradicated $100,000 of debt. But wait, it gets better. Then they had two banks where they actually had borrowed $200,000 to pay for the additional medical bills. They sat down. There was two banks. You would know the name if I called them. They explained their situation. They said, we've never done anything like this in a situation. We just feel like we're supposed to do this. The two banks canceled the other $200,000 a day. But by the way, that's $300,000. Now, that was over a number of years. But they didn't make the money to pay that, but they kept walking. They kept showing up in faith. They kept showing up in church. 
They kept being faithful to God, faithful to do what God's called them to do. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you worship and walk, you're positioning yourself for this last moment. And the last point is this, is there's the shout of faith, which is really a declaration of war. The third point to consider when we're facing real enemies is we truly are in a war. How many Christians really don't believe that we're in a war? There's really a real demonic world out there that wants to kill your life and destroy your life and your family. You do realize that. There was really some enemies really thousands of years ago that were impeding potentially the children of Israel from taking what God had already given them. Pastor, what do I do to defeat it? Worship, walk, and war. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, there's the declaration of faith. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Worship! Walk, keep walking, keep showing up. Bring your addiction to church. Bring your fear to church. Bring your fear to your small group. Bring your fear to that time in prayer with God. That's what, that's what Doug taught me. But in other words, don't let it keep you back. Keep walking. Keep showing up. And then there's that moment, that declaration of war. There's that declaration where you declare by faith what God says. You declare what God says. You declare what God says. They took that ram's horn. Watch this. They took that ram's horn and they picked it up. By the way, on the seventh day, so there's, this, there's a showing up. There's a showing up one day, two day, three day, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And then there's that moment. Your soul's in a position. You've been pressing in. You've been showing up. And there's that moment where you declare it. You declare it. You declare the word. You declare it like a sword. Boom, it cuts through the darkness. It cuts through the lies of the enemy. It cuts through the deception. It just, boom. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. By faith. Come on, say it out loud. Say it, by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled it for seven days. Seven days. There's a shout of faith. There's a declaration. I, I know some of you may think this is a little silly or hokey, but in my backyard, there's times when I'm just crying out to God and I'm just praying. And there's challenges that, that I face. In my life, sometimes that literally feel over, so overwhelmed. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm even in this. But it's called, by the way, that's called human life. That's the, the, the dilemma of mankind. The good news is we're not alone. And there's that moment where I've got my promise book, just like Doug taught me, and I'll declare. It's like a, the sword of the Spirit. What am I doing? I'm worshiping. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, not on that problem. Number two, I'm walking. I'm staying consistent. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I keep, there's a cadence. There's a spiritual cadence. Stay with your small group. Walk with your friends in the body of Christ. Have a spiritual cadence. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. I believe when we see the military walking in cadence, that's a picture of the army of God. It's, there's a power when you're walking in cadence. You're walking with your brothers and sisters. You're showing up. You're not, you're not, you're not letting your fear drive you off, but you're staying in the march. And there's that moment when you declare it. Walls fall. I, I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but I do know that Jesus loves you and He cares about you. 
Matter of fact, Jesus died on the cross for you. He shed his blood for you. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads, every one of our locations right now, those that are online with us. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to let the host know what God's doing in your heart. But if you do not know Jesus, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I'm going to pray for you. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know if you died today that you're ready to stand before God? I can't save you, Church of the King can't save you, but I tell you who can, his name is Jesus. If you'll confess him as your Lord and Savior and ask Christ to come into your heart, I'm telling you, God will do a miracle in your heart. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's your kind of thing, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand up all of our locations right now. If you'll do that, one, two, three. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of people. I thank you that you're saving people. I thank you that you're healing people. I thank you that you're restoring people. And God, I thank you that you're giving us the courage to face the challenges. We're keeping our eyes on you, Jesus. We're walking in spiritual cadence. We declare by faith the word of God against the enemy. And God, we thank you that you are the God of the breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we just bless the Lord? Wow, what a powerful message as always. And I just encourage you, maybe you're coming up against some impossibilities right now and you're, you're filled with faith and you're ready to just believe God to overcome those things. Well, we as a team would love to just partner with you in prayer and to stand with you. We have some hosts, if you're watching this live, that are on standby. They're ready and willing to pray with you in this moment. So why don't you click that button? Why don't you let them know in the chat room? And we'd love to just partner with you, to stand with you in prayer and in faith that God would help us to conquer the impossibilities of our lives. And maybe you're out there today and you're making a decision to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, or maybe to recommit your life to Christ. If that is you, then I just want to say a big congratulations. As a church, we really believe that's the best decision that you know you could make. And every single weekend, we have people that make that decision. So we're celebrating with you. And we'd love to just partner with you as you begin your new life with Christ. So if you made that decision today, why don't you text the word decision to the numbers 822-822, or you can click the link that's in the chat room right now. And we'll just send you some resources. We'll connect with you and help you as you begin walking out this amazing new life of following Jesus. Well, with that, our service is kind of coming to a close, but we can't wait to see you back here next weekend as we continue this amazing series called Conquer Impossibilities. We can't wait to see you there. Bring somebody with you to church next weekend, and we'll see you here. Same time, same place. Have an awesome week.